This episode was made possible by ExpressVPN. Start browsing the web securely with three months free by going to expressvpn.com MMI. On this episode of Meet My Inspiration, I welcome Frida Liu and Heidi Kwa. Frida and Heidi are both based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Frida Liu is a broadcaster, author, speaker, and coach. She has been the host of a business-focused radio show on BFM 89.9 for more than 10 years, and she has conducted over 5,000 interviews. She is also quite an inspiring person in her own right. Frida chose to speak with Heidi for Meet My Inspiration, as Heidi is someone that has not only inspired her, but also helped her to understand how we should all define success on our own terms. Heidi Kwa is the founder and director at Refuge for the Refugees, which is a nonprofit organization that seeks to raise awareness regarding the status of refugees in Malaysia, as well as provide education for refugee children. Heidi started her organization when she was just 18 years old, and over the past few years, she has spoken and trained at over 100 events across the globe. Heidi has even been awarded the Young Leaders Award by Queen Elizabeth for her work with refugees. And now, please welcome Frida Liu and Heidi Kwa. Hi, my name is uh, Frida Liu. When I was asked to feature someone in this Meet My Inspiration feature, I was stumped. Uh, there are plenty of people who inspire me, from Ariana Huffington to Jennifer Lopez. Fortunately, the search wasn't that long as right here in Malaysia. There's one lady I highly admire, mostly because she started her journey at 18. When I was 18, trust you me, I was on a different trajectory. Or at 18, uh, for most people, if you actually know where you're going, right? So I'm here with Heidi Kwa. Um, a little bit about Heidi. Uh, she was presented with the Queen's Young Leaders Award in 2017 for her work to champion and support refugees. And you're asking which queen? It's Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, she founded Refuge for the Refugees, uh, which raises awareness of the status of refugees in Malaysia and provides education for refugee children. Of course, her journey has changed quite a fair bit since 18. She's a ripe old age of 26. Um, but maybe we should just get a little bit of a history on how you, get, you got started on this journey, uh, Heidi. Yeah. Hello. Thank you so much, Frida, for having me. It means so much. So how I really got started was um, I, I went to a Sukhumunanga government school um, here in Malaysia. And, you know, we were a typical PJC, right? Um, and I, I think one of my earliest memories was just being in secondary school. And my closest circle of friends, debaters um, and public speakers and cheerleaders and people who represented the school in one way or another. And these kids were all outspoken, right? So every day after school, we would gather around our table with our syrup bundle eyes and nasi lemak and just talk about what's happening in today's world. Um, obviously, these debaters and public speakers have plenty of opinions about what's happening. And, and you know, the conversation will always get really heated and it always ends up to be like, oh, you know what, this is what the government isn't doing enough. This is what organizations are not doing enough. This is what the public are not doing enough. And it's always about what people are not doing enough. And suddenly, you know, one day, um, I, I started thinking like, you know, how, who am I pointing fingers when I'm not doing anything except I kept shaking my leg and eating nasi lemak by the table. So what, what can I do about it, right? Um, what's my role in this bigger puzzle? And that's, that's really how the journey got started. Um, long story short, um, right after I ended secondary school, I had about four months before I started college. 
And that's when I decided like, hey, I'm going to do something more productive and meaningful my time. So I asked around and I found out about a refugee school in the heart of KL that needed help, um, needed volunteer teachers. So I went, I signed on, I volunteered. And obviously I went with the whole perspective of I am here to give and contribute. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to change lives. Um, but little did I know that it was a complete opposite, you know. I went in thinking that like I had this wealth of experience and knowledge to give. Um, but these kids, the community, the refugee community that I met, um, taught me so much more in return. They challenged me in terms of, you know, how I approach life, how I approach the opportunities given to me. They got me thinking about my privilege. They didn't preach to me about my privilege. Um, through their actions, uh, through their generosity, through their kindness, through their eagerness to learn, they got me thinking about my privilege and what I was doing about it. Um, so that's really how it started. Refugee to Refugees came about because I was four months into teaching. I went to the master's office and just like any um, good college girl, I told, I told the headmaster like what I'm done teaching. Um, my college starts for me and you know, my mom says that I need to focus on college and that's really how the story went. And that's when he sat me down and just said, like, you know, Heidi, it's completely okay. Um, due to lack of funds, school be closing down. Um, and and that, that conversation, even though he was completely okay with me ending my volunteering stint, um, he said it in such a matter of fact way that we, it almost got me thinking, what am I doing? I mean, I was about to start college and, and for me, it was almost a given opportunity. I mean, as, as, young as, as young as I can remember, I knew that I was going to go to college one day. I did not need to fight for it. I probably need to work into getting into a good college or scholarships, you know. But it's something that's given to me. But these kids were, like, were being rocked their only access to education. And that's how Refugee Refugee started. Yeah. Okay. And I know that so much has happened in the last eight years. I know you just celebrated your birthday, all of 26. Happy belated birthday. Um, and you have gone on to do other things as well. Work that has come about, work with unwanted babies and all that, right? Um, tell me more how that happened. Yeah. So I, I have now been in the work for the past 10 years. Um, and and you, we started with just providing education for refugee children and we started going on to take on detention cases where uh, kind of rescuing refugees and migrants who've been detained wrongfully. Um, and then just over the past two years, we went a bit more into baby selling work, you know, rescuing babies um, that have been sold in a black market for anywhere between 100,000 ringgit to 150,000 ringgit. That came about really from the experience of working with the refugee community um, and really learning, you know, about their experiences. And yeah, so it was really a by chance. I think the more you work with the community, the more you realize that it's a much wider spectrum of problems that needs to be addressed and not just education. Yeah, so that's, that's what we do now. Yeah. You know, um, I know like with this period, right, for, you know, um, you've been doing a lot of work with the refugees, feeding the refugees because of the, uh, uh, movement control uh, order, right? Um, and thousands have been. What 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 have you been doing every day? I, I I read on this on Facebook, and it ties me just reading it. But you're doing it. Uh, what have you been doing? So every week now we send 
um, groceries to about a thousand families. To date, we have reached out to about a thirty about thirty seven thousand beneficiaries across seven hundred and twenty locations, which is pretty crazy. Um, given that you know it's just been. 10 weeks since we started the work. So every day really looks like I'm either coordinating the beneficiary list, um, I'm either coordinating the beneficiary list, or I am kind of mapping out logistics, um, coming with this entire system. When volunteers come to the hall, they pick up a form and they know exactly where to go. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's our day to day. Uh, I think it's really amazing that a lot of Malaysians have come up to volunteer, right? And that's also, you know, and how did they, they just came up to you, they read about it and they just said, they raised your hand, they raised your hand and said, I wanted to volunteer. Yeah, yeah. So over the past 10 weeks, I think we've had a collective um, of about a hundred volunteers that signed up, which is pretty incredible. And yeah, I, it's them reading, you know, reading as to how regular Malaysians can get involved um and jumping on board i think what has been really powerful is that when you walk in a hall you feel that this is not refuge to refugees program but it is their program as much as ours i think that's how we've managed to rally more people on board um kind of sharing sharing the vision and allowing people into the dream um so it's incredible because we've seen our volunteer pool i mean we've, we've kind of hit a point where we have a bit too many volunteers and we can't take in people anymore. Um, yeah, but, but it's great because when you come to the hall and you find your place, people buy into the vision and then they start inviting their friends along, um, not just in volunteering, um, but raising awareness as well. It's great. Huh? I mean, when you've got more volunteers than needed, that's a, that's a nice uh, story behind it. Now you, uh, tell me about time, you were presented for the Queen's Young Leaders Award, right? How did that happen? What's that all about? Uh, that, that was, that was crazy. So um, somewhere in 2017, I remember getting a call um, from the Queen's Trust actually telling me, Heidi, someone submitted your name, you've been nominated um, for the Queen's Young Leaders Award and this is additional details that we need from, from you. So I went through the whole process of meeting the details necessary. Um, and, and I remember just thinking like, oh, surely this, you know, this isn't real, you know, or this, I mean, it is real, but surely I wouldn't get it because there's so many more outstanding people. Um, and a couple of months down the road, uh, I, was, I was actually at one of our awareness campaigns, you know, finally having lunch at 3.30 p.m. because, you know, that's, that's a reality of work. I'm sitting opposite my co-founder when I got a call um, from the Queen's Trust. Um, they first started with, Heidi, I think there's an issue. So it was a recorded call, right? And I didn't know. So they start, first started by telling me, Heidi, I think uh, there are some concerns with your application. I remember taking a deep breath and, and going like, oh no, where did I mess up this time? And that's when they go like, congratulations. You know, you've been chosen as a Malaysian recipient for the Queen's Leaders Award. Um, so everything has been a whirlwind then because, you know, from preparing for our London trip um, to, to, yeah, to, to everything that came with it, you know, having to take on courses, yeah, and opportunities that came. It has been incredible. So we've had a lot of conversations about our faith uh, and the trials and tribulations that come with it. But what is it about the faith, our faith, that strengthens you and urges you um, to go on this path? Yeah, I, I think it is it's just understanding that we can only love because we've first been loved. I think when you understand 
um, the sacrifice that has been made on the cross, um, the sacrifice uh, from, from just the encounter of, of knowing that you are so loved, that really enables you to do so much more. That's what gets me out of bed every morning, knowing that I am deeply loved and, and that has allowed me to love um, others in, in an extravagant way. Are they days when it's difficult? You know, it's difficult. And you know, what you studied in college, right? Now, had I, had I just followed that path instead, my life would be a lot more easier. Are there, are there days like that? Yeah, so many. I mean, every day, is a, it's, it's a choice to get up and live out your values. I mean, um, I, don't, I don't wake up inspired every day. Just to be told, I wake up just going like, oh my goodness so much work today um, or just so heartbroken by what's happening across the world. So there are so many days, um, you know, but, but I guess it's, it's knowing that um, for me, it's knowing that uh, with each new day comes new grace and new mercies. Um, and that really keeps me going, just new grace and new mercies. I, I really admire your tenacity. Um, okay, so Refuge for the Refugees is an NGO. How do you get your funding? We get our funding through grants and through partners because of how much the work has expanded over the past um, 10 years. You know, we have partners um, in the UK and US that work very closely. We, one of it is the Queen's Trust. Um, so we get a lot of opportunities from funding through that, but also through public donations, but also through um, our refugee um, communities uh, that craft. So they, they make items and um, we sell it and, and profits goes towards paying the refugee artisans but also sustaining the schools um, that, that support the students and communities. You know, uh, you know, throughout this period, you have met a lot of people who also have big hearts and have tried to start NGOs and all that, right? And of course, I'm sure in your eight, 10 years, uh, they have stopped. Right? Why do you think that's the case? Right? Why do you think that people don't have the tenacity? Is it when funding doesn't come and then they just they just lose hope? You know, because I've seen you know there's you of course there's Hartini uh, and the few names that have been around for a long time. Right? What are the mistakes that people make when they want to start something, whatever the cause may be? Yeah, I do think um, if you don't know your why, often we like you yeah, know your why is really really important that ultimately keeps you going when the going gets tough so when you when your reason vision isn't clear that's where when you hit um a difficult road that then people stop from there so i feel that um i mean over the, the years a lot of people come up to me and and ask me you know heidi how do you start an organization i'm very keen on starting an organization and i'm more than happy to support you but I always ask you your why. Why are you going to start an organization? If it, is, if, it, if it is to support the refugee community, there's so many people that are around already. I mean, we've got Picha, we've got Batik Buti, we've got so many people, right? So what's your why behind it? If you know your why, that's what will keep you going um, over the years. Uh, Simon Sinek says, you know, in his book, starts with, Start With Why. Uh, when you're operating from why, everything else is easy. A lot of people operate from what and the how. What and how usually comes about when you've got your why, right? And if you were to put a, a, a sentence or a mantra for your why, what would it be? 
I think my why, I mean, if this makes sense, my, my why would always be, or what drives me is to be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. Um, so no matter what I do, no matter what areas um, of work, whether it's refugees or migrants or baby selling or human rights, um, across it all is to, to see the person. Um, and that's my why, to see the person, to humanize my story. So you were saying that, you know, whether it's refugees or unwanted babies and all that, right? We always, um, and, and when something else comes along, right? Is there, you know, like, is there, is there too much that you can do? I mean, should you just stay focused on, on, on refugees? Because I know that case, though, with the unwanted babies, it started on that path because of someone you knew. Um, is there also so much as, you know, you're, you're boiling the ocean, trying to boil the ocean, doing too much? Is that also a concern? Don't you mean that's a really good question. Um, I do think that it is a concern to a certain extent um, if we end up losing our focus. So we always tell people to work from your values. Don't work on um, don't work on a goal, work on your value. Because when you leave out your value, that's where everything else becomes consistent. If my goal is to get Malaysia to sign the Refugee Convention Protocol, I'll never get there and I'll get really drained out. Um, but if my my, my value is to um, make sure that everyone has equal rights um, and to feel dignified and valued for who they are. That's where my work can diversify. Right. And when you talk about values, right, uh, going back to when you're 18 again and, you know, someone's young is listening to this and they say, uh, I want to start, I don't even know what my values are, right? How do you, how do you know what it is? Yeah, um, it is sitting down with yourself and asking yourself what is, for me at least, it was asking myself, what do I see in someone? Um, when I, like, how do I value people? Is it based on their achievements? Is, is it based on how successful they are? Or is it based on what draws me to them? And what draws me to them is their value. So I really like people who are kind people who, um, yeah, people who are kind, people who love big, people who are genuine. I mean, there's so many values that I like about people. So it's asking yourself, what is it that draws you the most um, to people or what do you want to be remembered by? It's, it's always, you know, we always talk about legacy, but I always think your legacy falls back on your values um, and your values are what you want to be remembered by. Malaysia is going through a couple of things at the moment. Um, you know, some the, the rules around refugees. But if I were to turn it around and say what would be on your wish list uh, for the situation in this country, what would it be and, and the work that you do? Um, I, think, I think it would definitely be for us to humanize the plight of refugees and migrants see them beyond their labels. Um, I do think that that is key in all that we do to remove labels, to remove stigma, to remove um, people. People resonate and empathize a lot more when they get to know a person for their story. Um, so that would be my wish list, you know, before, um, before we jump into policies even, or laws, or, you know, uh, all these things, we need to first see the people, humanize the story, and realize that 
I, I, I mean, it sounds really idealistic, right? But I believe that like deep down, we are so human that when we remove labels and understand stories, that's where we get a bit more careful with crafting the things that we say and the policies that we make. So first of all, the, the, what, what needs to be done is to get to the root of it and get to know the story before addressing everything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to your story. I'm reading what's happening um, in this country. And I, and I sometimes get very jaded and, and almost miserable, right? I think we can just spend about two minutes crying here for, uh, for a moment. Yeah. But, <laughs> so um, how do you remove that jadedness? And I'm just talking about, I guess, a person generally. I mean, I can, I, I can come in and help financially. I can come in and help volunteer some of my time as well, but how do you lose, how do you get rid of that, you know, um, on a day-to-day basis? I know, I like I said, I thank God I have my faith, but there's still a lot more that, that is annoying me, yeah? That's the nicest word I can think of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so real, Freda. I mean, I, um, I, I think so many mornings I wake up and I just spend a good half an hour just bawling myself like bawling my eyes out, right? And just being so frustrated um, and so jaded and, and, and finding myself coming to a really dark place of going like, why is the world so messed up? Um, what keeps me going um, has actually been spending time with like-minded people. So I think the past 10 weeks, as much as we've been supporting the communities, um, my saving grace has been spending time in the hall and just going like, oh my goodness, despite the crazy that's happening out there, despite the hate comments, um, I come to the hall and I see easily 20 people, um, faces without races, you know, people across all, um, all races in Malaysia, people who are kind. So I, I always remind, I think one thing, I, I draw myself by, by, by just remembering that there are kind people around. Um, you know, there are really good people around. There are people who are compassionate, people who drive three hours to send a food pack to one refugee family. Um, and when I constantly come to a place of that, that's what, keeps me going and less jaded, I guess. Just about what I can control instead of focusing on what I can't control. Yeah. You know, I say that all the time, you know, and, and, and I, I have to remind myself that all the time as well, but what I can control, areas beyond control and the area within control, I say that all the time. Um, and, you know, I guess doing what you do as well and choosing to reframe and choosing to look at the positives, right, rather than the negatives. I guess if people want to, in listening to, to you right now and they want to support in whatever ways or means, what can they do? They can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Refuge for the Refugees. We'll love to have a conversation. Um, yeah, we'll love to have a conversation to see how we can. It doesn't always need to be. I always tell people that you can give um, you don't always need to just give financially. There's so many ways you can give, whether is it through partnerships, whether is it through, um, yeah, whether is it through partnerships, whether is it through a mutual contact, you know? So sit down, have a conversation, and we'll explore. Yeah. I'm expecting this to go global so that you can get help from around the world. Uh, Lord knows we need it. Um, and, you know, I guess like any... I guess just, okay, maybe just a final, final word again, right? For someone who's just sort of starting out, I guess regardless whether you're 18 or 85 and you want to just get started, right, um, on, on doing any course, what would be the first steps uh, for, to do this? Yeah. 
you know, I always tell people, so people, people always ask me, you know, Heidi, what is, what is it that you need to have to get started, right? Is it connections? Is it network? Is it a lot of money? Um, I think, you know, I've been thinking long and hard about this the past eight years because I constantly have to do interviews like that, right? And I think the one key thing is first convincing yourself that this is something that you truly believe in. I think when you believe in it so wholeheartedly, people around you catch on because you're just consistent in your messaging, consistent in living out um, your values and what you believe in. People catch on to it and I think that's key. Um, that's why, that's why when you go to, when you go to stores, the best salespeople are the people that you know are fully invested in the product. That's when you get sold, right? Because you first need to start believing in it first. Uh, what was it? I, uh, I always say your vibe attracts your tribe, right? You, you know, yeah. if, if you have it, they'll, sell, they'll be attracted to you and they'll just come to you as well. Um, you know, Heidi, thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad we caught up and had a chat apart from WhatsApps and you know Facebook messages and just to find out what's going on. Thank you for the work that you do. You are an inspiration to me because I'm just saying, you know, uh, there are lots of people that I do admire, but to have started this at 18 and to still, you know, be chugging along and still doing this and doing more. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, so Heidi Kwa, Refuge for the Refugees, I feel you. I want to extend my thanks and gratitude to Frida and Heidi for sharing this wonderful talk with us. If you would like to find out more information about Heidi and Refuge for the Refugees, you can go to their Facebook page. There is a link below. Connect with them on Facebook to keep up on what they are doing and to offer your support and words of encouragement. You can also reach out to her directly if you are interested in donating towards this excellent cause. Frida Liu is the author of In Your Skin, a book that features Heidi as well as many other inspiring people about how we can all learn to become comfortable in our own skin despite the uphill battle through our own insecurities. For more information on In Your Skin, please visit FridaLiu.com. That's F-R-E-D-A-L-I-U.com. Frida can also be found on LinkedIn if you'd like to find out more about her or even connect with her too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Meet My Inspiration, and I hope we've been able to inspire you too, even if just a little. Sometimes that's all it takes to make great things happen. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like broadcasting to the world everything you do online. Here's how to protect yourself and get three months for free. Did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website you visit? And what's worse is they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. ExpressVPN works on all devices, phones, laptops, even routers, so that everyone who shares your Wi-Fi is protected too. And the best part is using ExpressVPN is super easy. Just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by TechRadar, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com MMI, and you can get an extra three months for free. That's expressvpn.com MMI.